Hey, g'day there, Mark LeBusk here. I am currently in Jabiru in the Northern Territory and on a life design holiday with my lovely wife, Alison. So today's podcast is a co-shared one with the amazing Tiffany Cook, who got me on to the Fresh Networking Podcast to talk about why networking is human. Have a listen. Me and Tiff are busting myths about what networking is all about. Take some notes and we'll catch you at the end. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark LeBusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. Mark LeBusque, a very big welcome, a very big fresh networking welcome to you, my friend, one of the very first humans that I'm luring into this brand new podcast and I couldn't be more excited. Hey, and I feel like I've been lured in as well. Um, you lured me in over the um, the Bass Strait because I was in Tasmania when you reached out to me. But look, as always, Tiff, I'm delighted to be having a chat with you. And networking is such an interesting topic, but in a different way, I think. Networking in a different way. You know, so we planned this podcast brand new and I had some amazing guests that immediately come to mind, big names, big value they could bring. And you were one of those people because you were recently on my show. But the reason is you just embody the same ethos that we have at Fresh Networking. Your approach to business and the human side of things, it was just like a win-win. So I had to get you by the ear roll, drag you back over Bass Strait. Come on, mate, party's over. You'd been over there for a very long time. <laughs> I had been there for a month and, um, you know, practicing that whole three days work, four days play, and it was magnificent. But it is good to be back in um, sunny Melbourne town. So lovely to be talking to you. Fantastic. Oh, I really love that that idea of, of taking a break and moving your business over there and trying new things and, and connecting, you know, all of your pitches over there, connecting with, with nature and getting your work done in the most beautiful places and finding a way to make it work and being human inside the business that is the operation you run. That's exactly right. And, you know, funny, if you think about Fresh Networks, I'd met an amazing lady at the Alicia Wellness Retreat only a week before I went to Tassie. And this is this whole thing of um, this Fresh Networks or networking is we caught up, myself, my wife, Alison, Ricky and her partner. And it was funny when Ricky's partner walked in because he's like, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never met you. Ricky had mentioned you. But at the end of the night, because we were just there to connect and have a conversation and we found out some things in common. And that's, I think, what the new way of networking is all about. I didn't expect anything out of them and we came away and we'll be catching up again. So, you know, this is a great topic to be talking about. There's a great example of what can happen when you turn up as a human being just to connect. I love it. I'm going to tell you a little secret, Mark, and you won't know this about me because we're fairly new friends, but Fresh networking is, now you've heard me speak very passionately about my background in boxing and there's only two things that I speak that passionately about because there's only two things that I can say rock solid changed my life for the better that I will always hold on to and the other thing was networking and fresh networking and every time I have had moments in my life where I've said, I'm going, to, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see what I'm grateful for or things are going well and I'm going to have a look at what's around me and who's around me and why. And it, it's those moments and I've, I've written lists before and the people on the top of those lists are all people that I've met through this network and I've met through this business because of the focus on building relationships, being human, supporting the humans inside of this professional world that we all end up 
falling in the middle of and trying to fumble our way through. So that's a little bit about me, but I want to start with the first question for you is I'd like you to just give us a little bit of an idea because I love your story about how you you used to work in corporate sales and you you were used to try and do that hard job and just give us a snapshot of kind of how it used to be and the epiphany that came to you. So it used to be um, all about climbing the corporate ladder. So, um, you know, be good at sorting parcels, be good at the call center, get a job in sales, be able to sell things. And that got me to a certain place where I was managing human beings and I was lousy at it because I only saw them as outputs of labor and sort of objects. And, and you know, it wasn't about networking or anything like that. It was certainly networking with clients, but not if I thought about networking with my people, I couldn't care less as long as I hit their targets. So, few things happened in my life, a um, few little tragic events along the way, and uh, it sort of woke me up as did a bit of old age starting to creep in and starting to realise that the corporate world wasn't for me. So I went and set up my own business called marklabusk.com, very original name. Yeah, how um, do you think of that? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to come back to you on that one. I guess I'm a bit <laughs> lost with that. But um, And I remember when I did start that business out and all these people who I had in my network at the time saying, oh, when you go out on your own, we're going to work with you. And I was a little bit naive to that because I thought it was all there. Well, guess what, Tiff? I reckon about 2% of my work comes from people that I knew back in 2014. The rest of it comes from people that I've met through, I'm going to say, a new and a fresh way of of networking. Oh, I love that. Tell me about that shift. Well, I reckon you sort of get a bit caught up in your own bullshit and your own importance. So, you know, when you're in a, a senior sales director's role, you just think, well, I'm I'm pretty bloody good and people are going to, they've told me they're coming, so they're coming. And I just expected that it would come to me. And it was all about the revenue. Don't get me wrong, at that point in time, look, I want to run a business that's profitable and so I can live a, live a good life with my family. But how I came to the realization was, I guess, a bit of a slap in the face of hey, all that business that was going to come to me through my network, people who said they really wanted to work with me, none of it's turned up. So there was a little bit of the hollowness of we're going to do stuff with you, but in the end, we, we didn't, followed by a great period of inactivity of like one day a month thinking, holy hell, what have I done here? Um, but then it just sort of starts to happen. You, I guess you've got a message around building human connection, deeper connection for good, feeling that sense of belonging and I reckon this happens is that you just start to attract a different crowd of people Mm. and all of a sudden you're having conversations that aren't about um, how are you Tiff and what's going on and then uh, how many do you want to buy off me it's more about let's start to get to know each other what you know what is it about you that we've got in common and how do we start to build the common connection and I guess build that social connection that we're looking for and then all of a sudden relationships are built and then we start talking a bit about, so what do you do? Rather than what do you do and then tell me about your life, it yes. was more like, tell us about your life. Now, what do you do? And then if we can work together, great. The other thing that comes out of it, if I can't help you, I know someone who can. So there's that as well. I love that. A lot of people get into networking and I know that this was me. I was terrified. You've only known me since I've been this big mouth behind the microphone and that I feel very at home at these days. But I can tell you right now, when I first started networking, I was shoved into the job of it by a business merger and a manager that said, I'm now going into production, you're in sales, you're doing this. So I was terrified and for me, I felt very exposed 
and very vulnerable and I didn't really know how to do it and I would I would shake after standing up to introduce just for 60 seconds, 60 seconds to say three things I knew very well, my name, who I worked for and what business I was seeking and who people could connect with and I would sit down with my hands shaking. So talk to me a little bit about vulnerability because networkers get, when we when we start, it is terrifying, but I think it is the key to good networking. Yeah, so let me just say we must have gone to the same college of um, of learning to be big mouths on the microphone because I'm I reckon I'm like that now. But look, Chief, very much like you, I was um, petrified. In fact, you know, we as a salesperson back in the logistics game, we'd you know, be logistics association nights and come along and get cards off people, and I'd be like this: I'll take your card off you, and I'll have my glass of champagne or a beer, and I'll have a little sip with you. But geez, I hope I don't ever see you again. <laughs> Because I was just like, no, I'm not comfortable here. But but I think what started to happen, and you mentioned something before, which is very traditional in networking, which I think the fresh way of networking is very different. The traditional way is my name is Mark and I'm a sales director and here's what I do. Where's Mark the human being there? Yes. So what I started to realise, and the vulnerability piece comes in now, it's like I'm Mark who is married with three kids and lives an hour out of Melbourne and da-da-da-da-da-da, he enjoys this. I'm a bit petrified of selling, by the way, because I sort of see it as a bit sort of car sales-ish and, and people were like, oh, you're not supposed to say that. But as I started to do more of that, then what you would find is after we'd gone around the room that people started to come towards you and go, hey, I'm a bit like that too. So dip your toe into the pool of vulnerability don't jump in the deep end because if you do that and you start oversharing, I can tell you what people will do. They won't come to you and ask you a little thing. They will actually stand away from you. And if you if you are nervous and and a bit petrified, you'll even be worse when you feel like you've got no friends in that room. So I think what I found, Tiff, is that when you started to dip your toe in, then you could start walking down the steps of the pool. And then ultimately you got into the into the deep end and and I think as I've got into the deep end of the pool in in vulnerability, so too has my network grown much faster than I ever thought it would. You make a really good point. It's a bit of a dance, isn't it? It's like you lean in a little bit so that other people know they can lean in a little bit and then you lean in a little bit more. That's fantastic. I was thinking back before when you talked about you're going out in business and everyone's there to support you. I'm going to support you, Mark. When you look back and reflect now, can you pinpoint what went wrong? Why Why that didn't happen? Well, I think that um, there's two things. I'm going to start with my part in the mess was the naivety and the laziness that that brought. So the naivety of that everyone's going to want to do work with me because I was in a senior role and I had a fancy title and I built great relationships. The other side of it was really just the expectation that was coming, but at the same time that I was petrified because I was, I dropped, I'd left a big job and I was just like, I've got to get the money in the door now. So I just expected it was going to happen and it didn't happen. And then I remember having a moment where I'm like, I actually think I'm going to have to go back because I'm not getting any work. Because what I was doing was trying to network with the people who said they were going to work with me who weren't going to work with me because they didn't have, lost them, didn't have the authority to make those decisions. So I was speaking to the wrong people to start with. And guess what, Tiff? They're all sort of friends of mine. And a lot of them still are today. I haven't sort of ditched them because of what happened. But 
at the same time, I hadn't been speaking to the right people or I hadn't actually been building the right networks. And I think a part of that was that even though I was in a senior role, I still always felt like I was a little bit ahead of myself and probably over-promoted. So I was a bit worried about reaching out to the really senior people. Oh, I relate to that. I think we all have a little bit of that. When I look back at especially the times I've pivoted in business, which has happened a couple of times. So I went from working in corp in the corporate space doing sales in printing and then I merged into, I got into boxing and, I, and then I became, moved into the fitness space and corporate wellness. And then I did it again when I moved into podcasting and podcast production. But what I noticed each time more and more is I've developed a real uh, sense of, you need a network or or a community where people will support you, but also you need to be prepared that the people you think will support you won't support you. You need to be prepared to do all of the work and build the relationships, but not know where that support's going to come from and not judge it and give freely of your time and attention because I feel like it, it goes around and it comes back from unexpected places. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think this is a really, really important point is that um, the first thing is, is that it's not the people who said they were going to give you the work that didn't give you the work that are the problem. So if you want to make it about them, you can do that very easily. And what that will do is that will actually remove some, I'm going to say some business relationships and some friendships. So so the first thing you got to do is not go blaming other people there. I think that's that's absolutely critical. You've also, this is the other thing too. Like I know I, I do the P thing, the pivot thing every now and then. I do a bit of podcasting, and a bit of this and a bit of that. But I think what's really important is that, like I know, I knew way back 12 years ago, four years before I went out on my own, like I had something here that I really believed in. So what you've got to understand too is, is that you'll get some people will be like, oh, that's a crap idea, Mark. This kumbaya shit that you do, this voodoo <laughs> Like magic human stuff, it's never going to work because, you know, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. One of the things you need to do in this space is you've got to actually really, really hold your nerve and just put up with that sort of stuff because what that can start to do is knock you off balance and then you'll go seeking an audience on something you don't believe in and what they'll do is they'll smell bullshit a million miles away. So that's the first thing is stay convicted to what it is and then you know what happens? This is where that 97 or 98% came from for me. It was all of a sudden, it wasn't the people that knew Mark Labusque as the 25-year corporate warrior and sales director. It was like, hey, I've been following you a bit on LinkedIn. Hey, I heard you talk on this thing. Um, I read some of your book. And all of a sudden, like, you actually make a bit of sense, mate. Can we have a chat? And I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. But before we get into the chat about the work, let's talk about you and let's talk about me and and so I reckon what happens is if you put it out there and you hold your nerve and you feel uncomfortable with all of that sort of stuff at some point I can remember the time where it was like someone referred me to somebody else and that was it and I get a bit of a lump in my throat as I said that it's like that was the moment about 18 months in to what I was doing where it's like this is the moment where it's started to kick off so you've just got to you've got to hang in there too. Mm. How 
was it having, so you've built this brand now that is Mark LaBusque, that is you, and that in itself can be like quite a big thing. And then finding your identity, your professional identity on LinkedIn and finding your voice on LinkedIn. How was that for you? Was that confronting? Was that hard? Was that like, did you, did you have a clue who you were when you went to LinkedIn and you went on creating this voice? Was it confusing? Uh, I think when I first went to LinkedIn, it was a bit like going there with a big fishing net. <laughs> and I just threw the net out and hope I caught a few fish. In fact, someone sent me a note going, you do a lot of articles in LinkedIn, but I'm not actually quite sure what you stand for. Right. And I'm, and I'm, yeah, and I'm like, you know what? Um, stuff you. Um, and because and, I got a bit fancy with that, but I think that was really good advice, which started to get me to to really hone in on, like I think we spend too much time, particularly in networking, where we go and throw the net out. Hmm. And we hope we catch a few and we'll throw a few back and some of them will taste really bad and others will be sweet. But when I got to decide that my work was about the human stuff and it was like the human manager experience, it was a bit of provoking with purpose, getting people to have real conversations and nothing else, all of a sudden, when I found my identity, I'm going to call it, and it, and, it, and you know how it works, if it morphs a bit as you go along, so too did I find my confidence and so too did I actually start to find that that new fresh network of people who were like, hey, we sort of like it. And, you know, it was interesting, not long back, here's me blowing a bit of smoke out my own backside, but I got <laughs> I got nominated as one of the, um, what was it, the top 20 LinkedIn voices for oh, for mate. career and something else just recently. And I'm like, shit, where did this come from? But yeah. pe- people are like, no, no, we really listen to you. So, look, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I, I reckon I know my stuff. So eight years ago, I was trying to catch – all sorts of fish. These days I catch a certain sort of fish because that's, I guess, how it's worked. I really love that. Can you give us, there'd be plenty of people, including me right now, listening, going, all right, what is LinkedIn looking for? What are you doing? What's special? What have you learned about? And how can we get better at having a voice on LinkedIn? Well, what I really loved about, there was some criteria for it. Like they, they, they I love Carla Dengate who, who works there. She sent me that going, oh, would you like to be part of this? Is that my dogs? Yeah. No. Well, we and um, and if they um, want the voice. They do, and um, and one of the one of the things was that when you are writing on here, you're not promoting your wares and your goods and all this. You're just actually writing stuff, and people are people are benefiting from your ideas, even though they might be a little bit crazy. You might not. People are benefiting. So, so I really like that. And, I, and look, I think about that like networking as well because. Look, it's like when we met. Like I, I sent a note out to Harps and Harps then got on a podcast and then we met through Harps and now we've done a few things together. Like I don't get on this every time thinking, geez, I wonder what's in it for me this time. It's like I just continuing to like building the commonalities, the connections, and who knows one day we might do something commercially together, but I'm, that's way down the track. Um, so I really like the criteria. If you're going to write stuff on LinkedIn, don't go with the old um, – even when people go, hey, if you need this, DM me or whatever it is, it's like, I don't do any of that stuff. I wrote a simple message on LinkedIn to everyone I connect with that says, I'm really um, grateful that you've connected with me. Um, I look forward to learning from you and just sharing my thoughts on all things human and keep on being human, Mark. That's it. It's no, hey, I've got these five things you can buy. And I, I reckon don't do that if you're starting to build your network. That's my best bit of advice is don't. Don't try and shove stuff down people's throats before you even know anything about them. Mm, I love that. It's very icky, isn't it? Oh. Let's talk about 
the value of having a giving attitude and for yourself, was that innate or did you make some horrific (laughs) mistakes along the way? Well, I reckon I'm pretty good at it now and you only get good at it because you absolutely screwed it up somewhere along the way. So people used to say to me, it's all about you, isn't it, Mark? And I'd be like, nah. But inside I was like, damn right, it's all about me. (laughs) So if I was going to meet with somebody or if I was going to have a conversation with someone, I'd be thinking to myself, and I wouldn't have the courage to ask him for the deal or whatever, but I'd be like, this better progress me because I'd been to all the sales training. This got Every meeting's got to progress you to your final destination of getting a sale and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want to make sales and, and, and win business and things. But I think what I learned was that it was all about me. Mm. And people were picking that up, even though I was trying to mask it in some way of being sort of this cool, generous sort of guy that would turn up and be affable and a little bit charming maybe every now and again, and uh, and people started to pick up the bullshit. So I reckon what happened was that when I got into this gig of doing my own thing, and even though I didn't have a lot of business early days, I, I guess what started happening was I would just be helpful. And this might sound a bit weird, but what I started to find out when I was still in corporate, like people would call me from in the business and they said, hey, someone said I should speak to you because I've got a got some stuff going on and I'd be like, well, how did that happen? And then there'd be another one. And then, and all of a sudden it was like, and I didn't think much about it then. I thought, oh yeah, well, that's pretty cool. They want some advice. But what I've really worked out, Tiff, was that I was actually giving of my time. Mm. I could have said to them, no, I'm too busy. I'm doing multi-million dollar deals with my team and whatnot. But the more that I gave and without really chasing this, I'm going to say, and I truly, I'm truly being honest here, I wasn't, the more I got back. Mm. So, and I still find that, dog, even people say to me today, like, mate, you are so generous with your time. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just time. And if I can help someone, that's a great thing. And if particularly like this, I love this one the most. Someone will come to me and say, we want you to do some work because we've heard about you. And I go, look, that's really not my work, but I, I got this colleague that I've met called Tiff and that's right in the sweet spot for her. So that sort of stuff, you know, you just, you have this, you know, the law of abundance, they call it. Mm. There's Mm. so much work out there in the work that I do. And that's not being blase about it, but you really want to be in a situation where you, you know, you are courageous enough to go, I'm going to forego some dollars because it's not my work. And I know that the law of abundance works. And at some point in time, someone will give back to me in whatever way it is. And that's why these days, if it's basically word of mouth for me. I love that. You know, you've just touched on something that resonates with a, a recent conversation I had with someone and it was around the idea of not try. I, did, I even did a big carry on about this on my socials because it resonated so hard. We, we often try to be everything to everyone. And when a customer comes along, we try and squeeze our round selves into a square hole and be whatever that client wants. And Two things happen. One is if we're not a great fit, we're not a great fit. So it's not going to be yep. a great result. But secondly, we're going to affect our own our own inner critic is going to get super loud when we start walking that tightrope. You know, we're going to start affecting our own self-confidence. And I think that it can be a really one to be wary of. But another thing you said was it's just time. Yep. And time is something we we often don't use very wisely, but it's just time for us, but 
it is a most valuable commodity and the most valuable thing that you can give someone. Yep. If and, you and give someone time over anything of monetary value, the appreciation is there. And we've got to get out of this absurdity that, you know, we're time poor now and we haven't got time and, you know, there's 168 hours in the week and how am I going to find time to do this? Well, you know, I think you can always find time. Um, apologies to my assistant, Shay, if she listens to this because that might mean I put things into my diary where she's like, don't you get into your diary. But this is a great example that we're just doing this after you sent me a Zoom link, you know, just before. <laughs> Sorry, Shay. Um, but look, back to your point on time. And it's about the giving of time. So I, I look at it like this, and I'm big into mentoring as well. So geez, if I gave someone five minutes or if I gave them 50 minutes or an hour and 50 minutes and that was useful for them, and I am in a situation where I can do it because that's my mindset, well, that's a great thing. So um, this is another thing. And I love what you said before, being everything to everybody. And this is a huge one for those people or listening who are into getting new into networking. Mm. Don't start trying to play outside your boundaries here. You know, I used to work in operations, Tiff, and I worked in HR and I worked in sales and people would say to me, hey, you used to work in ops. Could you come and help us with our ops stuff? And I'd be like, no. Nah. And they'd be like, why? Because I don't, I'm not very good at that. Could you come and do some sales stuff with us? What do you want? Oh, we want to create a new sales process. No. Nah. Why not? Because I'm not good at that. What can you do for us? I can come and help you to humanize your approach to winning business because I'm bloody fantastic at that. So don't play outside your lanes. And if you do, I think you'll just be running around like I was for the first 18 months, offering everything to everybody off the back of my like my snake oil little salesman cart I was riding around on that didn't get me any business. I love that. Okay, so you mentioned mentoring. Talk to me about mentoring. Mentoring for yourself. Do you have a mentor? What's the importance of that? And do you do mentoring? And what's the importance of that? I do a lot of mentoring. So, you know, I've sort of broken the mold a bit, but in corporate, you've sort, you've got to call it coaching because they, they want a coaching panel and they want to hire coaches. And I say, you know what, about 70% of my work is mentoring. Oh, you know, we don't have a mentoring circle. We have a coaching circle. I'm like, well, that's sort of what I do. I can flip from one to the other. So I, I do mentor a lot of people. And look, that's so both paying Before you let me interrupt. For anyone listening that's going, What's the difference between a mentor and a coach? Okay, so here's the thing. The mentor, if we look at it this way, this is the way I like to describe it because it's very simple for me, is the wise old owl sitting in the up in the rooftop of the barn and all the other owls, little <laughs> owls, the, the younger owls are sitting there and then he's telling stories or she's telling stories. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happens in mentoring is some of the stories the young owls tell the old owl he learns from as well. So there's reverse mentoring too. So that's like sharing experiences. Yes. I did this really well or I didn't do this really well and maybe that's going to help someone. Coaching is really me sitting there and asking lots of questions because in a coaching situation, some people confuse coaching with telling. We just tell people what to do. What, what coaching is is like, hey, I'm curious why you would think that and can you share a little bit more? Can you tell me? why you think that, what is something you could do that would help you to get to where you don't think you can get to. So there, the coachee is doing the work. In a mentoring situation, I think the mentor does more of the more of the work. Yeah, great. Have you learned from being a mentor? Has that, like, which one's provided, this is a silly question, which one's provided most value? But I ask it especially because of my experience in the boxing ring and knowing that, that the teaching 
people that were just a level below me teaching them made me better at my craft, which yep. was a huge surprise. It was something that came about because I was injured and it's these, these, these transferable skills in life that I like to look at and go, oh, well, what a lesson. Who would have thought that I could be a better boxer by teaching beginners how to box when I was injured and couldn't do the sport? And I got more out of that than when I had a coach that was teaching me to box and I was training. How crazy. Yep. Yeah, so interestingly, I started my life as a, as a primary school teacher. So I had a significant mentor as a phys ed teacher, Mr. O'Toole, and um, from about year eight, I wanted to be a phys ed teacher. So that's the path I followed. And, and I think it's always been in me like this. I, I, I love to learn myself, but there's nothing better if you've got a, a five to 11-year-old kid or even like me, a 55-year-old man and uh, – if you can help someone see something they can't see and help them to learn by guiding them and enabling them to do it, there's no better feeling. So I think that's that's a big part of it. But at the other side of it is it's what you get to learn from that person. If you are open-minded to the fact that you're not there as the font of all knowledge. And I look, I look at podcasting like this, Tiff. I think podcasting for me in the last two and three years has been my greatest learning laboratory, I call it, because I've spoken to people like yourself. I've spoken to hundreds of people who every time I speak to them, I'm like, two things I learn. One is I learn about their content and their knowledge and their histories and, and it builds connection. The second thing I've learned is to listen to the very last word they say because that might be where the gem is. Now, I've been one who's listened to respond rather than listen to learn at times. Mm. So I think there's all these lessons that we get that we don't really understand. And that's like, again, if we think about networking, like you might actually learn something you don't go in there to learn in, in the networking thing. And it might be, you might walk away and go, oh, well, I didn't really get the next opportunity there, but you might walk away and go, well, why didn't I? Mm. Maybe because I didn't listen mm. to the person, to the very last word. Maybe I should have been a little bit more patient before I went with the offer or whatever it might be. So I think we've got great opportunities to learn in these learning labs like podcasting and I'm going to say like networking groups are. Oh, you're so very right. And what I love about networking groups is you are surrounded by all of these different industries and personality types and all of a sudden your lingo gets pulled into line real quick. Yep. You know, yep. I think that that's amazing. You learn so much. So just on that, because I, I think I'll forget this chain of thought if I don't give it to you right now. Um, <laughs> you I didn't listen to my last word then, though. <laughs> I know I didn't. There you go. But you just told me that and I just learned from you. Now I think I forgot my, my train of thought, but here we go. Um, I love what you said before because people will go to networking events and there'll be people from all different industries because that's one of the beauties of them. You get to meet there's diversity, It's whether it's the industry, the gender, the age, and all these sorts of things. Mm. What we forget, this I think this is, if I can leave you with something that's really valuable for your listeners, mm -hmm. the thing we forget about this is they're all humans. Mm. So be really conscious that when you walk in, it's not about, hey, it's Tiff the boxer or Tiff the gym owner or Tiff the podcaster. It's like, it's Tiff from Tasmania, from Sisters Beach. Is that right? Turner's Beach. Turner's Beach. Sorry, I got that wrong, but that's because <laughs> I'm 55. Turner's Beach. And who came across here at a certain age and bought the car across. And I know all of these things. Yeah. So that's built the connection. Like I said, now some way down the track, we might do something really crazy together. But I didn't go straight in for, hey, 
do you need to be a bit more human, Tiff? Because I can help you with that. Like, <laughs> I really can help you with that. So, so I want people, when you walk into a networking event, remember that you're dealing with a human being first. And if you can just start to find some connectivity, like me and um, me and you found some connectivity around things like we have enormous imposter syndrome issues over time. Um, I can say about anyone I talk to that I'll find some sort of commonality. So I think that's the starting point is don't go in as he's the leadership consultant or she's the podcaster or they're the CEO of something. It's like they're human. Yeah, I really love that. I really love that. Mark, thank you so much for today. I think that you bring immense value to business and there should be more Mark LeBusks in the world. Well, I don't want any more Mark LeBusks in the world because they might go to those events that I'm going to be at and they'll take my business off me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tiff. Always a bloody pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Jeez, I love talking to Tiff. She is a um, like-spirited human being and we had a lot of fun today just busting some myths on networking. Remember to start with, it's not pinky fingers out with a champagne, hand out a card, hope you'll never meet the person again. It's to share a bit about yourself, be vulnerable, be human and watch how your business can grow from there. Hey, if you love this one, as I did, always talking to Tiff, rate it five stars, leave us a comment. And if you liked it, share it with your friends. Share it with your friends who maybe stick their pinky fingers out when they're sipping their champagne at a networking event. Tell them to pull their heads out of their asses and become human. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now.